When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blockhash Podcast, episode 381. Today, we have the founder of the Conflux Network and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto, Fan Long, here to talk about the network itself, as well as some interesting updates around a blockchain SIM card, a stable coin being released relatively soon, and what's happening within their ecosystem. So, Fan, welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you on the show today, and it's going to be a fun and exciting conversation. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> happy to have you as well. Um, before we jump into it and start talking about Conflux and some of the things you guys have going on, tell us a bit more about your your background and your personal story. How did you wind up um, with Conflux, um, creating it, founding it, as well as you know, in Web3, I guess, generally? Well, my background is uh, always being um, like hacker and uh, well, also scientist. And I think, well, I so back to the like high school days, I was like one of those competitive programmer, and uh, you know, which I just love writing code. And uh, uh, in high high school, I actually went to uh, uh, the Olympia for informatics, or IOI, those kind of uh, like a competitive programming contest uh, internationally for high school students and the won both medals. And uh, then later I, in the undergrad and graduate school, I, well, become a computer scientist. I did my PhD at MIT and, uh, and uh, my research was always about, uh, well, I would say that it's a at that time, there is no blockchain as a research field. So mm -hmm. I was always it's all about system security, um, block programming languages, uh, distributed systems, uh, etc. So those are areas that are you know very related to blockchain. Um, I would say so. Uh, that's why actually uh, when blockchain is a thing, I immediately get interested in it and. Uh, well, the funny thing is, I actually uh, actually uh, know Bitcoin, and uh, around like uh, 
2011. <laughs> That's a very early, probably very early, and actually brought 100 Bitcoin like very early, like when the Bitcoin was like ten dollars, and sold them at fifty dollars. And uh, that that's the kind of the <laughs> most funny thing that I had. And uh, yeah, I'm still regretting it today. Uh, I bet you I wish you had it back now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's a, so I know that very early and uh, it gets immediately very interesting. And um, um, around the time I graduated, so I graduated from MIT at 2017. Uh, it is a time where uh, the whole community blockchain community has been talking about how to increase the scalability, okay, improve the scalability of the system, how to make blockchains faster, processing more transactions, etc. I think at that time, that's the biggest topic uh, everyone's talking about. And, uh, and then uh, we just felt as a, naturally as a researcher, we felt, okay, well, this is something, some very interesting research idea. So, um, because at that time, I already know that I'm going to go to academia. I will start my uh, appointment at uh, University of Toronto as a professor, uh, tenure track assistant professor. It's like uh, 2018, so I'm just doing my gap year. So I graduated, mm -hmm. doing my gap year. And I think, okay, well, let's, let's just look at this problem as a research problem. So I talk with a bunch of uh, collaborators actually because i'm actually uh during the gap year back to china and just uh, stay with my friend and uh, there are a bunch of uh, you know really talented you know, Tsinghua university researchers uh that we are doing this kind of topic together and uh, we designed this uh, i think uh novel i think at that time very novel uh DAC based consensus which uh you know can achieve thousand transactions per second without sacrificing any decentralization. So uh, that's that forms the basis of what the current conflicts uh, consensus run today. And we put an archive uh, paper. You know, we were, at that time it's just a re. I'm st we are still a, re a bunch of researchers, right? We would say, mm -hmm. okay, let, let's publish a paper. <laughs> that's like, mm -hmm. yeah. So. Then we have that archive and uh, uh, we start to get contacted by, uh, by VCs. And uh, I think, well, uh, then I get to know that at that time, that's actually one of the kind of height of the, I think it's already last and last, right? Last cycle was like a pandemic, the cycle before, the ICO cycle, that was kind of a peak of the ICO cycle. So there are a lot of interest of the VC. Uh, trying to persuade us, okay, well, just don't make it, a, you know, sitting as uh, just a research paper, right there, let's, uh, you know, turn this into a real product, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, we get persuaded, and, well, we actually don't know what we are actually heading into, you know, at that time. Mm -hmm. So we say, okay, well, let, let's just do this. So, uh, so it's, uh, so we published the paper at, uh, uh, early 2018, so around the mid 2018, we start fundraising. Well, most likely we have already have our pillow, uh, like the lead. Uh, that time it's for China, so they lead the, that round. And then we're also we, we we're just trying to fundraise from 
mm-hmm. different VCs, and then yeah, so we started the Confluence at like end of twenty. Uh, I think it's roughly the fall of twenty eighteen. We finished the fundraising and then uh, wrapping up everything. So uh, that's uh, the official start, so of the Confluence network, and. Um, um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of background of how, uh, you know, I come from uh, like hacker researchers mm-hmm. and then to do the Confluence Network. What what communities would you say are the most involved in the Conflux Network? Is this something that's, um, you know, just global and everyone participates and you see participation all over the world? Or do you see um, a large influence in Asia or in the US or in other parts of the world, uh, who's contributing to the network? Um, well, first of all, uh, we are a permissionless uh, blockchain. So everyone around the world should be able to, you know, join and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, play and, uh, with it. So that's a, well, that's a bottom line, but uh, well, we do have a more presence and the focuses uh, in Asia and particularly Hong Kong. And uh, we also being uh, well-known in China and uh, have presence in China. So we are, I think, well, so two things that are quite special about the Conflux networks. Uh, so one is we are actually funded by, I think, well, the, uh, a group of top computer scientists in China. And, uh, and uh, we are uh, very tech heavy. And another important aspect of Conflux is uh, uh, we are, I think right now today, we are the only regulatory compliant public chain in China. Uh, Very nice. That means, by that means, uh, well, people used to keep asking, what does that mean? Okay, well, I, uh, but uh, right now it's, it's quite obvious. So we have employees, we have offices in China. So, and uh, in Shanghai, and uh, we, uh, it's not like you know many other like maybe the Chinese root team either they are no longer active after the crackdown the severe crackdown at uh, 2021 or they are actually just uh, leaving completely right so either they remain silent and uh, you know just uh, no longer just a uh, like work from home distributed or they are just uh, right. you know, not uh, leaving completely and then have all the employees, uh, either they leave or they go to another jurisdiction. So we are the uh, only one that have uh, been very active and this is states China. So that that's uh, uh, kind of the geographics. And uh, that is also why I think, um, well, we, we, we are a blockchain that have been exist for, uh, well, so our mainland actually launched at uh, 2020. So that's uh, uh, the October 2020. So we, uh, but it's around, I think recently around last year, like the when the Hong Kong policy gets held, so we get to the spotlight again uh, in a sense that people, okay, realize, okay, well, if Hong Kong uh, being uh, more opening up or like towards uh, embracing the Web3, then uh, it will naturally bring more uh, adoptions to Confluence Network and the community are getting excited about that. And what kind of things are you seeing developed within your guys' ecosystem? 
I know you guys have some updates on some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, we can focus on the highlight you mentioned. Uh, so you, we can focus on the highlight later. So let, let's just first have a big picture. Sure. So we have, uh, um, so we actually have, uh, uh, right now have two, you can think of two subsystems or like, uh, or two subspace, we call it. Uh, so we have a uh, fully compatible to EVM subspace. We call it the EVM space. And we also have, uh, uh, we call it a conflux space or core space. Um, so they are for, so the, so they are, uh, so EVM space is fully compatible. Then you can use, you know, just a MetaMask to connect to it. And uh, it has been the home of the uh, uh, so major like, uh, DeFi activities and globally accessed. So, so there are DeFi activities here. We have a swap, we have a lending protocols, we have, a, a, you know, a different exchanges and even NFT market uh, there. So that is uh, the DeFi activities of DeFi re-region. Uh, so, or we call it like EVM compatible place. Mm -hmm. So we also have this core space. So the reason we have this core space is because uh, since the regulation in China changed, they basically, uh, well, they still say that they support blockchain technology, but they really don't like cryptocurrency. So essentially, they are putting a requirement like if you want to provide blockchain, uh, blockchain service, you have to make sure that you know end user don't touch cryptocurrencies <laughs> so that's a kind of a requirement uh, so uh that that's why in core space we basically develop this uh, uh, mechanism which allow uh the smart contract deployers to pay transaction fees uh, on behalf of users to a certain limit so this basically allows uh, the users to be able to, you know, not only any cryptocurrencies and still they can use this interact with the smart contract. And uh, um, uh, that will be enable the regulatory compliance in China uh, or in the mainland. And uh, well, they are actually very active, I would say, uh, NFT issuing need in China. Uh, so we are actually the leader in that domain in China. So, well, it's a, it's a, like a very foreign thing for a lot of uh, your audience. I mean, when you think about NFT, you're thinking like, okay, well, there, this is a monkey and this monkey was a formal mm -hmm. price was 1.5 ESRs. I mean, well, in, in China, the the NFT, because of the, you know, heavy regulation price presence, the NFT was more, so it's, it's like against the idea of you have like an NFT and it's a crazy speculation and it mm -hmm. goes to very high. So NFT is often used as a, a marketing tool or as a sample. So there are, for example, it's like, okay, you, you, you buy bubble tea brand and there's a you know chain of bubble tea brand maybe one in the 20 chance when you buy a bubble tea you'll be awarded a bubble tea issued collectible nft and it, you know it's used like that so that means 
uh, in China, actually, there are a lot of uh, issuing amount, and each amount tends towards less. It's not like on average, well, the people are saying, okay, spending like one ETH, two ETH on an NFT. Uh, there are, so usually it's like, okay, the average worth of uh, NFT was like, like $20 or things like that. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there are also, of course, there are all more rare kind that could go to, you know, several hundred or thousand dollars. But usually it's around that level. And uh, when it's going even higher, uh, it may trigger some regulation alarm. They don't want to create a speculation. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that, 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 that is, so that is actually a very active market. And uh, we are the leaders of that market, actually. Uh, we are, because we are the only, well, it's, NFT is legal in China, right? So just should, uh, be clear, right? NFT is legal, but cryptocurrency mm -hmm. is not. Non-fungible token is fine. At least that's what the, the reg regulation uh, appears. And you, you just need to find a way to, you know, you, you can serve as the infrastructure. So we are one of the main infrastructures to issuing NFT. Uh, we, on our platform, we have been issued over, I think, uh, over 9 million NFTs, uh, different kinds of NFTs on the core space. And, uh, and uh, it's one of the main platforms. I think we are, uh, I, we are either the top one in terms of number of issuance or the second place, but all the, all the players are actually not public chains. They are just consortium chains or private chains uh, rather than the public chains. So we are the only public chains and we have been one of the issues. So that's another, I think, um, ecosystems, uh, you know, so that, that's the current status and mm -hmm. the big idea. And um, um, yeah, so that is, uh, I think, uh, what I would want to say. For Do you want to get into some of the... Uh, bigger updates that you guys have coming out. I know yeah. one of them in particular is really interesting because um, you guys are working on a blockchain SIM card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are actually several exciting up updates uh, we have. Yeah, so I mentioned, so uh, blockchain SIM card has been, I think, the, the, the talk of a blockchain SIM card have been circulating mm -hmm. around the complex community for a while. And I think it's uh, like the early announces, uh, I think, uh, February or March last year. Uh, so, uh, so people know that we have a PR release. It's been around. That, uh, yeah, it's been around. Like China Telecom is collaborating with us on developing a blockchain SIM card, and essentially, well, it's an access point to Web three. So basically, it's a you know SIM card that has the hardware wallet functionality, and um, the Exciting updates is that we have that SIM card actually in the true public beta. That mm -hmm. means we are there are uh, 200, 300 physical cards that are already been issued, and uh, we can. Uh, so we are those cards are actually having the functionality of blockchain uh, wallet and also have the functionality access phone SIM card and then it can be used uh, in the uh, in the mainland and the, you know in the regions covered by China Telecom. Mm -hmm. And um, the important the importance about uh, this 
update is that it it actually you know it's it's first it's an interesting way to provide uh, the normal users to access. I always believe provide normal users to access uh, web web three. Uh, you know it's you know private key management is too hard. <laughs> we all know mm -hmm. it's too hard and uh, very difficult. Well, probably probably half of us uh, lost something because of we messed up that and. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, and uh, well, you can say, oh, Ledger or you know, Harbor Wallet is a solution, uh, but it's uh, it's not friendly for entrant uh, for people that uh, you know just get into the field or people not familiar with the field, right? You cannot you cannot talk with your mommy or daddy. Okay, mm -hmm. find this uh, Ledger. What it is this, right? So that's a, mm -hmm. um, and this provides a very natural. Uh, interface for them uh, because everyone knows what the SIM card is and everyone has a cell phone and uh, you know uh, the blockchain SIM card basically uh, uses a connection like like a Bluetooth so it's like it has a Bluetooth connection automatically the phone will read and then the private key stays inside the hardware and you have the it only the signatures being communicated via Bluetooth and back to the phone so that you're accessing it in a very safe way and uh and that's uh very exciting it provides natural access point and it has uh, additional meanings for i think for uh mainland china actually because um uh in the i think one at least one of the reasons that china has uh, uh this kind of a rigid cryptocurrency crackdown is because they can't figure out money laundry Right, they mm -hmm. can't figure out what's happening behind, and they just felt this uh, technology is very hard to control when it combined with fungible tokens, and uh, and this is a valid concern, and uh, uh, and uh, well, the blockchain SIM card actually provide one of the potential solutions here, uh, if you think about it, because uh, all the carriers and uh, and uh, at least SIM card in China actually automatically KYC. So mm -hmm. this has become like, if this is actually the, you know, become the standard way for people to using the blockchain, well, it will actually, you know, alleviate some concerns that the government has. So that's uh, actually another, uh, I think, an important point and why it's exciting. Uh, China Telecom. That's why I can. Well, right. China Telecom is actually a state-owned or some like a state-owned carrier. All the carriers they own. But why they're doing this? Why you know? That's actually people are keep asking. So that's actually the explanation behind it. It's like okay, well, it's actually provide a way for <clears throat> for government to find a compromise between okay, advancing the technology, uh, allow people to use the new technology, while have some ways to control it. Uh, yeah. So that's a. Uh, very exciting. So we have uh, the beta testing, and we will release this uh, to uh, the general after this phase test. We'll re release this, uh, make it accessible for uh, users that is serviced by China Telecom. That include, I think, uh, Macau and Hong Kong, and uh, the mainland China. Uh, there will be, I think, in the first version. There will be some differences on the software level. So you know that you know. Uh, well, in order to use this, you will, you have to you know download the app on the on the on the uh, on the app store, and uh, it's likely that the mainland China they will 
uh, because of fungible holdings not yet regulated. So they may, uh, the app in the mainland China may be just uh, an empty wallet rather than a fully functional uh, crypto wallet. And then the full version will be available on actually on the Hong Kong app. Is this something that you want to expand out into regions that are around mainland China as well, other parts of Asia or other continents at some point? Yeah, we are we're actually talking with the different, uh, I think, different uh, uh, carriers to see whether we can, you know, have uh, uh, expansions. And uh, it is on- ongoing and uh, we will uh, we will see how that happens. There are actually enough of interest because I think uh, I think the people start to realize that like Web3 is a chain that, you know, never going to, you know, disappear, right? It's not like something, mm-hmm. okay, well, it's, it's like eventually will happen. And it's just a, a matter of time of how to find the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so because of the, okay, so this technology still ties to the hardware of the SIM card. So it's uh, uh, more natural to find the, uh, the regions that you know where the physical SIM card is still dominant, and uh, uh, some regions like, well, for example, the country I'm in right now, like Canada, there, well, a lot of people are just using software SIM card, and it may make sense, and then that just uh, disables that potential interface for putting a blockchain SIM card there. So, yeah, we are looking for, uh, we are negotiating, for, I think, two or three different carriers, and there are also because there are some uh, some of the hardware technology are developed by Channel Telecom, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not like just we can you know fin- finalize the kind of collaboration. We need to bring uh, them as well. So it's uh, it's not like uh, something that we can decide alone. So we will see. We're very exciting about this. I think we will see new regions uh, coming out. Can you add other types of? blockchain-based applications to the SIM card as well, like in the near future? Like, I know you mentioned the wallet being one of those key features, Mm -hmm. uh, but could you add other things in so people could take advantage of the Conflux network and maybe use different applications? Actually, yeah, yeah. So it it, it, it should be able to connect to, you know, just just, just like uh, all the the wallet apps, Mm -hmm. wallet apps, like, uh, you know, uh, like, like I'm token, like uh, OKX, Web3 wallet, those. Yeah, it, it, in, in the end, it could be fully functioning too. It's uh, just uh, the hardware. Well, what's the, the key limiting factor is um, the signature uh, scheme support for the hardware, right? So uh, if a blockchain that is using to, um, I think wild kind of a signature scheme, then it is mm-hmm. not supported yet. Uh, but uh, we so the first version will definitely be able to support Ethereum, Complex, and uh, blocked uh, Bitcoin maybe I guess uh, that's who would be yeah. I know you also have a stablecoin update too. I heard uh, about a stablecoin in Hong Kong, correct? Uh, what, what's yeah. that going to look like? Oh yeah, so we are so we it, it has been you know uh, so so Hong Kong has changing of their or like embrace, embracing Web3 mm-hmm. has been announced. And then, uh, so we are all, we are first, we are partnering with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, we are welcoming any stablecoin issuers. So the one of the stablecoin, uh, Hong Kong's planning is they will have regulations how to issue uh, Hong Kong dollar stablecoin. And uh, 
And uh, I think Hong Kong dollar stablecoin, if it become any team become uh, created and become big, it will be beneficial to the community, the whole crypto mm -hmm. community or blockchain community as whole, because uh, uh, US and especially the banking system is not, you know, it's not very friendly to the crypto community. Right. That doesn't, doesn't say that, right? So, well, although Hong Kong dollar is kind of packed to US dollar, but well, if you got a, you know, like Hong Kong dollar stable coin that is, I mean, fully, you know, re regulated, embraced by the jurisdiction, uh, you basically get a safe route of uh, bringing fiat into the system, and that will benefit all of the people. So that's, uh, I think, that's a first. I think just in general, that's a very exciting thing, mm -hmm. and um, so we are also working. So we basically are trying to find out who are the responsible players. And uh, uh, we, are, we also incubated, uh, so, it's a, so it's, we co-invest, not incubate, we co-invest together with, uh, 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 well, it's, the PR is not released. I think I should not say the name. So we, are, yeah, so we, we, we incubate, we co-invest. Uh, uh, a team that will develop a new Hong Kong stablecoin. And uh, because of the team's background, uh, we are actually very confident that they will be able to uh, get the license. Uh, first step is, of course, join the sandbox, get a license. And uh, the, the, I think the PR, uh, the, they have a closest round. Uh, and I think the PR will release very soon. So uh, I, will, I will not you know, say too much because uh, it's uh, about the specific uh, mm -hmm. team because uh, there will be, you know, announcement. And I won't wait for their announcement rather than, but uh, uh, yeah, so there will be uh, the overall expectation is uh, starting from, uh, I think, March or, mm -hmm. or early as end of February, but at least March, we will uh, have a Hong Kong stablecoin start to circulate in conflux and i believe because of the conflux special regulatory status um, it's likely that a lot of those hong kong stable coins will once they start to issue on chain will choose conflux at least as one issuing issuing chains so yeah so what what this means is uh it will uh, creates a new interesting kind of assets. And uh, I'm always thinking one possible thing that blockchain can do is to uh, maybe once we have different kinds of stable coins, we can create a marketplace just mm -hmm. like trading for different currencies. Like, kind of like a Forex almost. Yeah, um, kind of a Forex. And uh, we may also try to uh, need to kind of think about what's the best DeFi protocol, so how to actually do it. The existing DeFi protocol may not be the best student for them, right? So at least uh, needs some variant of Uniswap V3 rather than uh, something like Curve because they are not exactly stable between each other, right? Mm -hmm. That's an that, that's a, uh, interesting uh, observations we have. Will you guys be working with any banks for the stablecoin as well? So for like people that may own it, may want to cash it out, uh, like yeah, I know- yeah. in the so okay. so okay we are we are the 
public chain. We don't work for any bank, but you know, as a as a stable coin issuing uh, uh, startup or the team, will definitely will work with the banks, and then they will enable the people to exchange um, in and out. And uh, that's the ultimate goal. And uh, there are, but I think understanding that um, it's, I, I, I think it's more important to actually find a way to uh, satisfy the regulation and then put the coins to, uh, so, okay, there, there, I think there are three key things, uh, key mm -hmm. things we need to do. So first is we want to, you know, make the stable coin happen. People can access it. That mm -hmm. is not necessarily saying that you have to have the capability to directly go to exchange. It's like, okay, now you own USDT. Well, most people don't know if I have a way to go to the tesser to change USDT back to the US dollar. But right. people accept that USDT is fine or at least almost fine. And it, same for USDC. Well, USDC, you, you may be able to, you know, register account at Coinbase and find some route to, you know, if you want to change yourself, but uh, still a lot of people, you know, hold the USDC and uh, they don't have ways to change back, direct change back to USDC, but, uh, but it's accepted by us. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so one, I think one key thing is you need to find a way to get it to the hand of people. And then the second thing is that you have to make sure that, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, reliable, right? It's a stable. I mean, then the third is, okay, you want it for long-term sustainability, you want to have regulators be okay with it and uh, being regulatory compliant on the long end. So I think it's more just to find a solution that satisfies those three. Um, about allowing anyone to go to bank to exchange, uh, that might be the ultimate goal because mm -hmm. here's why, because you, uh, banking sector still have this pressure of, you know, just, uh, okay, suddenly just like exchange or, you know, why exchange or stablecoin issues always have issues. Bank is just, you know, bank have this KYC pressure, right? Okay, well, suddenly, well, I, I need to, there are like a, all people can exchange, that means the bank needs managing, you know, too much, a lot of people's KYC. So a lot of those stablecoin issues, or I think the practical scheme for issuing stablecoin is you have those dealers or market makers that actually, uh, uh, you know, have the KYCs, they have the route to directly exchange the monies with the bank. So, you know, banks are dealing with a limited amount of a KYC and then they felt less exposed, okay? Mm -hmm. And then, then uh, it's those, uh, you know, dealers or market makers then further disseminated via some market, via, you know, their own route. And the, this multi-level dissemination will be more, I would say, more practical uh, for uh, stablecoin for now still. Okay, cool. It sounds like you got a pretty good structure laid out for this uh, to start rolling out. And you said March, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think March uh, we will be starting to see uh, stable coins, uh, Hong Kong dollar stable coins on Confflux. That's I'm I'm confident about it. Okay, cool. Right on. Um, I before we wrap up the episode and bring it to a conclusion, what else are you excited about within the Confflux network here in 2024? Um, we talked about the blockchain SIM card. We talked about the stable coin. Uh, in yeah, March. so there's actually one 
uh, additional uh, so technical upgrade that we are planning. And uh, I think we're, um, we are also very exciting about it. that is, uh, uh, well, I already introduced the like, complex have this subspace structure. Yeah. So we, we, it's kind of like, okay, they have a, the, it's the same chain, but they have a two separate logical chain or some way that they are, but they, they can, you know, allow the asset to flow back forth. So because we have the infrastructure setting there, uh, it is actually very easy to support additional subspace. And we do hear, so this is a, what we, we just want to help the community. We hear there is a lot of, uh, you know, demand for uh, Bitcoin infrastructures recently mm-hmm. uh, because of all these, uh, the, like uh, uh, the heart of all these and, uh, you know, the recent possibilities of uh, doing additional stuff in the Bitcoin. Ordinals. Yeah, yeah yeah so that's um so uh so a lot of people actually you know goes into that and uh, after you know playing the speculation then realize there's nothing much additional things they can do because bitcoin is uh, itself is well first it's just like ethereum it's very expensive right so that's a that's the first thing and second is um uh bitcoin script language is indeed very limited to uh very limited to what uh you can do or cannot do um it's basically it's not just not to incomplete it's cannot do anything that is sophisticated right it's yeah it's not meant to be yeah 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 yeah. so so what so we we plan to say okay well what if since there is a need uh, and it's also something that our structure could do maybe one month development because it's just, okay, starts a new subspace. We have a most of the infrastructure there. Uh, so we are, we are in the next upgrade. We are going to uh, create a new subspace that uh, is designed for at, uh, or as a Bitcoin L2. And then we will uh, try to enable so the two things we want to so first is we want to uh so have the as secure as possible connections to the bitcoin main layer so being as secure is like allowed by bitcoin scripting mm-hmm. language so there are certain things okay so there are a lot of the projects going on talking putting buzzword together but i as computer scientist i don't understand right so it's like they say okay we're going to doing ZK layer two for Bitcoin. But wait a minute, well, Bitcoin script language is so limited and uh, how are you going to do verifications on Bitcoin script language? <laughs> so this is, well, so we're not doing that. So we are, we're going to use a uh, reshare based, uh, uh, so private construction scheme. So, so to make sure that, okay, as long as the Bitcoin network, so first we're going to use Bitcoin, bring the, Bitcoin staking functionality to Confluence. This is basically trying to use Bitcoin, uh, existing Bitcoin powers, and uh, to Bitcoin network power security to enhance the Confluence security. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Then, then we are bring those together. So we're going to require a, all the uh, Confluence POS uh, nodes to run a Bitcoin Live node, and then uh, we are going to say that okay. As long as the Bitcoin 
does not fail, and the enhanced confluence capability of enhanced confluence POS, which also co combines some of Bitcoin security, those two do not fail. Then the asset flow will not fail. The security abilities will not fail. So we have a well, an asset way to bridge the assets uh, or tunnel the assets between the layer two that we're building and the uh, Bitcoin uh, in as secure as possible way. So that's the first thing. Then we will enable, uh, that will enable us to create a new subspace that is using Bitcoin as a gas and then we'll be able to uh, do, you know, all the EVM uh, development and bring the existing two chains to enable those new assets like uh, Bitcoin, all these, all those. So that's something we are actively working on, and it will be uh, it will be available in the next upgrade of the Confluence network, uh, which I expect will happen on Q2 uh, this year. That's very fascinating. You guys got a lot of stuff going on. How do you manage all this? <laughs> Uh, well, we're just working hard. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Uh, where can people go to learn more about the Conflux Network to maybe join some of the communities, uh, maybe get involved themselves, maybe they want to develop something? Where would you direct people? Oh, well, just go to the Conflux website and then we have uh, Telegram groups. We have, uh, uh, we also have the, you know, all the Discord servers, and uh, you know, there are you know the community is very active there, and so uh, well, just and also in our website you can find all the technical documents, and if you want to, you know, just develop on top of the Confluence, and you see those new developments there, uh, uh, new updated there, any opportunity you want to catch on, yeah, then just uh, you know go check that out, and uh, uh, you can also find the contact information to the team and then. We're happy to chat with you. Uh, Fan, thank you for taking the time to come on the episode today. Uh, come on the podcast and do an episode. It's It's been really, really fun learning about the Conflux Network and some of the big updates you guys have. Um, so again, really appreciate the time and we'll have to do this again soon in the future when some of these launch. Wow, great, great. Happy to chat with you. Thank you.